Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Well, hello again, people. Welcome to church. Today is actually 9-11-2017. And this is church with your true friend, Will of God. And today's topic, Minister Calvin Myers, boy, I tell you, he keep doing it, man, he keep doing it. He came with the church of Laodicea and the throne of God. So, you know me, I always like to sit back and relax, but before we start, you can dial that number, 724 Four 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 seven four four four. Put the pin number in one four three nine zero six pounds. Then you got to push one pound and star eight to talk. We about to have church. Hold up now. Let me get some music in here for y'all real quick. Hold on. Here we go. Here we go. Come on. Put your hands together. Come on. Put them together like this. Calvin Myers in the building. 
Hello. Did I just lose everybody just like that? <laughs> Wait a minute. Minister Calvin, I'm here. Brother Calvin is here. And I'm excited about today's topic. How's everybody doing? Hello, folks. Is everybody all right out there? Oh, we most definitely most happy, boy. And people, if you want to speak, I advise you to push star rate because right now we in church. Amen. Amen. Praise God. This is church radio. Y'all know the church means come from the word Ecclesiastes, which is also from the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon referred to himself as the preacher. First time you hear the word preacher, as he called himself the preacher. But today... We want to go into this word. We're going to deal with the book of Revelation. And so we just want to open up in prayer. And we thank God for the opportunity. Opportunity. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your blessed word. Thank you for learning. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for the anointing that destroys the yoke. God, your anointing is not here to make us great and popular and famous. Your anointing is here to make disciples, to convict men of their sins, to make people come to repentance, to the full knowledge of who you is. It's not about how great we are, how many titles we can put on our name, how many people watch us on YouTube or Facebook or TV, how many places we preach, how many people follow us. It's about soul winning, God. God, let us see that you're about to come back home soon to get us and take us home. You're coming here to take us home. So, Lord, let us be mindful of all things that you call us to do. Beat back the forces of darkness. Break strongholds, generational curses. Lift every burden, every heavy heart. In the name of Jesus, God, remind people that you stood the God of the earth. And you told Elijah, you got 7,000 men that have not yet bowed. Remind us that you still got warriors. Still mighty men of renown, mighty women of renown, people of the earth that you call that love you. They don't love you for the things you do for them, but they love you because of who you are. We love you because you forgave us of our sins. We're not perfect people. He that has been forgiven for least loveth less, but he that has been forgiven for much loveth more. And we have much sins that you have forgiven us for. So we love you the more, Lord. God, we pray that you would bring in every wonder in mind in the name of Jesus. Anoint the fresh. Teach your people. Move by your spirit. And we be forevermore in your depth to give you all the praise, the glory, and honor. Saints of God, are you excited about today? I am excited, and I can't wait to go into this word. Uh, I hope my man, my dear friend Kevin Keyes, will be able to join in with me or some of my other friends, Ronald. So whoever is out there that want to say something, just say something and share with us. Um, we're going to break the ground. So if you have your Bible, let's go to the book of Revelation. Revelation. I know the book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible. Most people don't want to talk about it. The devil is afraid of it but because it tells us that we win. We win. Listen, we tell people, if you're looking at a good movie, it's coming on, you say, no spoilers, please. Don't tell us what happened. We want to find out for ourselves. Well, God wanted us, his people, to be so encouraged.
Does he know that it would, many would be the affliction of the righteous, but he was going to deliver them out of them all? He knew that hard time was going to come and we might get discouraged. He knew that it might be days when it seemed like the enemy was winning. So what he did, he told good old John. Y'all remember John. He was 17 years old, the youngest of the apostles. Isn't that amazing? This boy became an apostle at the age of 17. Lord, have mercy. God loved him so much, he referred to himself, the one whom the Lord loved. He showed John when John was 90 years old on the island of Potomac. The things must, that must shortly come to pass. And at this stage, John is 90 years old. He's not that 17-year-old boy any longer. He is an old man with gray hair, but he's still as sharp as a razor, like a two-edged sword. And so God put him, he allowed him to go to the island of Potomac. And John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, which means the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is a Saturday, y'all, not a Sunday. Sunday is the beginning of a new week. Sunday is the eighth day. Eight means resurrection, new beginning. So we're dealing with this man named John, and John began to explain to us about these seven churches. Now, it's interesting because seven means completion and perfection. He began to talk about these seven churches, what was going to take place. And now these churches, existed at one time. All seven of these churches were real churches. But God used it as a symbol to show the world from different dispensation and time what was the, what was going to happen. Now these seven churches represent the body of Christ in seven dispensations. It also represents every church, building church throughout all the world. The third thing, it represents each one of us individuals. We are in one of these stages of the churches. But today, we're dealing with the last church, which is very interesting because it's almost like the last dispensation of the body of Christ. We finish up with Philadelphia and Pergamos and Smyrna and Ephesus and all those good old things. But today, we deal with the church called Laodicea. Good old Laodicea. Interesting name, because it was a church that Laodicea was, word means a chief city of Asia, minor. Now, it doesn't mean that it was over in Asia somewhere like that. That's just a figure of speech. It was near the Arabic country near that time of people who had a beautiful church. It was well-to-do. And God began to deal with this last church. Quite interesting because when I read Revelation, I remember reading it as a young boy or a little kid, and it scared me because I couldn't understand the dragons. And then I was reading about the church, and it seemed like these churches had it together, and Jesus said, I got a problem with you. And I couldn't quite understand. What do you mean? How could Jesus have a problem with these churches? To me, trying to read it from a carnal stage of mind, I'm thinking that they was in right standards. And because they was in right standards, they, uh, how can God have a problem with them? But I wasn't seeing it from the spiritual part. I was looking at it from the natural part. So I learned something about God. 
even though I've read it. He said, for God sees the Samuel. For the Lord don't see it as men see it when Samuel was about to anoint David as king. Because Samuel saw the oldest brother, and the oldest brother looked at like a king. He walked in the room like a king. He stood like a king. He had charisma like the king. And Samuel said, this has got to be him. How many times we saw people, they said, oh, he looked like a preacher. He sound like a preacher. He preached like a preacher. He act like a preacher. But God said, that ain't the one I'm going to put the anointing on. Like, I'm going to really use him. He's not going to be the one that I'm going to raise up. He said, for men see his family, the outward appearance. I don't see like men see. I look at the heart. He said, he's not the one. And then Samuel turns to Jesse and says, are here all your sons? Somebody's missing an action here. And then Jesse came clean. Well, we got one more boy, but he's my youngest son. Some people said David was 15. Some said he was 17. Some said he was 16 years old. But he's back there watching the sheep. Now, mind you, when you read that story, Samuel did not tell Jesse, nor his son, nor the elders, because he invited the elders. This is in 1 Samuel 16. He never told nobody, I'm coming to anoint the next king. Had he did that, Saul would have killed him. Because if you read the story, God asked him a question at the, the end of chapter 15. He said, how long will you mourn or pray for Saul, seeing I've already rejected him? I know he's still the king, but I fired him. Man, it's scary. You know, do you know you can have a title and still be fired by God? God don't want to deal with you. That's scary, y'all. Now, I know people say, well, once saved, always saved. Folks, let me tell you something. When God saves you, he will always keep you. But if you decide, to walk in the spirit of rebellion, self-righteousness, arrogance, and you don't want to change, and no matter what people say to you, you made up your mind, you want to do what you want to do, God will not deal with you. He will not try to tell a hard-headed man what to do. Now, I'm going to tell you about Saul. Saul was a six-foot-four, good-looking man, well-bred family. He had it all going on. He wasn't a womanizer. He didn't care about women. That wasn't Saul's problem. Saul was a people pleaser, y'all. He cared about what the people thought. And that's what drove him. If you are a man who always wondered how people are going to embrace you or what people think about you, you could never serve God the right way. Let me say that again. If you are a man or a woman who worry about what people think of you, you won't be no good for God to use you the right way. Oh, you will have a title. You will be in a church. You can even have a position. But you will never accomplish what God called you to do because you too much worried about what people think of you. God can't use people like that. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you doing what God tells you to do, people are going to talk about you. They're going to gossip about you. They're going to text about you. They're going to put YouTubes up about you. They're going to tear you down and put the dagger in your back and gut you out. Oh, you're going to have some people talking about you. <clears throat> you won't be popular. 
Other people could sin and do whatever they want to do, and they say, cover them. We're going to cover them. But you fall and trip up. They're going to throw you underneath the bus and roll that bus over you 10 or 20 times. They're going to make sure everybody knows you messed up because you got a call on your life. And when you got a call on your life, God is going to, he would allow you to go through these things. But don't you ever worry, none of those things is not going to stop you from being what God called you to be. He'll never let that stop you from what he called you to be. So, folks, let me tell you this right now. He has a powerful purpose for your life. Don't look at the titles. Titles don't mean nothing at all. I, I it, people, it breaks my heart when people just love to talk about other people's title, how important other people is. And, oh, they got a real anointed folks. If you're saved and you gave God your heart, you got a real anointing. You have a real anointing. There's only one Holy Ghost. They know, oh, the super breed Holy Ghost. They got the super breed Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. When God saves you, he anoints you. He seals you with his spirit. He fills you with his spirit, and he comes upon you also. Yes, he does. He seals, he fills, and he still comes upon men. But more importantly, he seals you with his spirit. That's called the anointing. Listen, guys, ladies and gentlemen, God is not a respectable person. You might see people got a nice car, nice home, money in the bank. Everybody, you see them on YouTube, you see them on TV, they all over the radio, and you say, whoa, they got God just favored them all up. Some of that stuff ain't got nothing to do with God, y'all. People just smart enough to know how to make money and they got people that help them get to where they need to get at. They got nothing to do with anointing. In most cases, God tell them to take their behind and take off their titles and go out on the streets and win some laws. You can do it on YouTube. You can do it all over. But he basically wants you to get out there and meet some people. Go where the people at. Go shake some hands. Go talk to the people. I got a dear friend of mine. He goes down to what they call the track where people sticking needles in their arm and in their buttocks to get high. He go where it's dirty at. He feeds the people. He go, and they got a building where they go out and they feed the people, him and some other pastors. Man, people getting their hand worked up. They're getting their hand dirty. Nobody got time for people to talk about how blessed they are. They ain't doing nothing for nobody. Don't you know people will watch you struggle in your pain and heartache? And they won't do a doggone thing for you because they're so blessed. They really believe this is the self-righteousness of it. They believe that God got you in that state. They don't believe God blessed them to be a blessing to you. Remember Ananias and Sapphires? Remember those two people? They had land and property. The agreement was everybody sell everything and do all things common and there will be no lack. Well, they thought about their land and how much they owned it for. They sold it for a certain amount. They told Peter a lie and kept back most of it. And Peter said, most of the money was yours anyway. You didn't have to lie to me. It's your money. You give freely. But since they decided to lie to Peter, they dropped dead one at a time right in front of Peter. God don't need our money. But people need money to survive. People don't care how much you know. 
until they know how much you care. People need finances. When you see people struggling, they don't need to come to you and say, can you help me, please? You should be the one that goes to them. But if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you don't have a heart for people. You can sit there and eat at a table with plenty of steak and watch everybody else starve. People who don't got the spirit of God, that don't bother them. But people who got compassion on people, they can't do that. They're not going to sit at the table and eat steak while you're at the window looking at them starving. They can't do it. So I say all that, that Saul was not one who was going after women, but he had a nasty spirit. His spirit was so filthy that God said, it repented me that I made him a king. You never want God to say that about you. It repented me that I made him a minister. It repented me that I made him a teacher. It repented me that I made him an evangelist. It repented me that I made him a pastor. Listen, David was the one that God loved. He loved it. Souls. If David went through, you was going through, David was going through with you. If you had a need, David said, bring them to my table. You're going to sit at my table and eat. When he pursued the people at Ziglag, the men, some men couldn't pursue the men because they got tired. They had to stay behind. The other men went, pursued, got their wives, their kids, the spoil. They came back here and take the wife and kids. We ain't giving you nothing else. David said, no, you don't. You're not going to do this. He said, they are our brother. We need Davids in these times. We don't need no self-righteous leader. And y'all don't hear me. It makes me sick to my stomach when I see men who are able to do more and do nothing. But all they want to tell you about how important their title is. Man, get out of my face. Y'all, y'all don't know me. I'm old school. My mom, see, my mom and my daddy raised me different. My folks was country people. If we was eating at the table, you so have a sort of knock on the door, you coming in to eat with us. We ain't trying to hear nothing. You going to eat right with us. If we only got a little bit, we sharing it with you. That's the family that I was raised. And I'm so glad my mom made me like that. I'm so glad she allowed me to be born. God allowed me to be born in a family like that, man. Nah, God. I wouldn't want to have a house full of food and money in the bank and no other people are hurting and won't help them. I, I can't be that person. I can't. Oh, well, you know, uh, Brother Calvin, people are taking advantage of you. Let me tell you something. Nobody can take advantage of God's people. The Bible said every man give freely as he will. You can give whatever you want. Nobody take advantage of you. That's the excuse people use when they stingy, y'all. Stingy folks worry about that. They wouldn't do it anyway. They only want to help the people they want to help, and the people they don't care about, they don't want to help. God is raising up mature people. There's a lot of immature people in leadership, and I see it. Folks, that's why I didn't run to go be no pastor. I ain't got time for that. Too many people are hurting. People are hurting while people want to talk about their titles. I want to be one that make an impact. I'm not standing in front of God and God going to tell me how good I use my gift, but I had no compassion for people. No, 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 no. This is why we got the saying that's called the good Samaritan. It didn't say the good priest. 
It didn't say the good Levite. It didn't say the good Hebrew. It didn't go into the fivefold ministry. It said a good Samaritan. The Jews and the Samaritan didn't like each other, y'all. The Samaritan was a half-breed Jew and half-breed Gentile. But when he saw a Jewish man who was hurting, the Bible said a key word, he had compassion on him. Do you have compassion for people? Do you love people? Compassion, for to me, compassion, you don't got to go to my church. You don't got to be a Christian who's saved. You can be homosexual, but I got compassion for you. You can be an adulterer, but I got compassion for you. You can be a lion, no good, low down, dirty, but I got compassion for you. You can be a crackhead, but I got compassion for you. You can be an alcoholic, but I got compassion for you. You can be a person that everybody should separate yourself from him. He got a bad reputation but I got compassion for you. Listen, folks, y'all got to, I'm one of those type of men, I'm just, I'm just different, I'm rare. Something rides up in me when I see self-righteousness. I can't stand it. It bothers me. It makes me sick to my stomach. Which brings us to the topic that we're going to deal with. We're going to deal with this church called Laodicea. And I want us to deal with this church because this was an important time that Israel was in, these seven churches, each one of them had problems, but God loved all seven of them. In fact, the two churches that God really showed his mercy on the most that did his bidding, one was called Ephesus. I'm sorry, one was called Smyrna, and one was called Philadelphia, just like our city, Philadelphia. The Philadelphia church had a lot of love. The Simonia church was very, very poor, and they were being persecuted and killed. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? The poorest church, and that was being killed, God told them, be faithful to death, and he was going to give them a crown of life. The Philadelphia church, God said, I'll set before you an open door that no man can shut or close. God loved these two churches. They did what God asked them to do. Five churches, two had it right. One was full of love, and they was, had an open door before them. The other church was very poor, very poor. And they was being killed when God said, be faithful to death, and I'm going to give you a crown of life. So with that being said, that I want to go into the word and read the scripture. Um, yesterday we was at the men's prison, and it was just a high time in the Lord. It was awesome. Um, God moved. I had something else I, we wanted to go into, but God led us another way. And we just dealt with the cross and the preaching of the gospel. It was Muslim brothers who was in there, too, who came in there. I noticed them. God told me they Muslim. And I asked them, can you please move in just a little bit closer? And they moved in because they were sitting near the back. Um, and so they came in a little closer, so we shared the word of God from our heart. Uh, and uh, it was a high time. People came. A lot of men came down, and we dedicated their life to the Lord and got saved. And uh, I, I just, I love when it's souls. I don't care about being in the front, y'all. I love my church. I can sit down in the front row of my church, but I don't. I sit all the way in the back and I observe. I love my pastor. God uses him. 
He's a man with compassion for people. He loves people. Sometimes you don't know why God went the way he does when he chooses leaders. God needs leaders who love people, y'all. Listen, you can't be a leader if you don't love people. And so I, I shout out to my pastor, Glenn Spaulding. I love him so much because he, he keeps showing you that he cares about people, what he do, how he does things. And it was a beautiful home going for um, Dr. Bruce Williams' wife, Sister Debbie or Deborah Williams, went home to be with the Lord. It was a high time. Man, we praise God. Dr. Williams, who I admire so much, man. Him and his wife were just so much pillars of the church. And so we're going to miss her. And Debbie was the type when she, the last time me and her talked, she got a hold of me, held on to my arm, and was talking to me. And if somebody started praying, praise me, she started dancing, holding on to my arm, and just praising the Lord. So she was a woman who loved God. And uh, she was just so, so special. So special. And Pastor Spalding, God used them to bring in the choir to sing at her bedside, and they just sung praise and worship with her. And she was in the bed, even though she was sick, she had brain cancer, and she tried to sing with the choir while she was in her bed. And it was just so beautiful. But they told me that this woman of God, what they said at the funeral was, when the doctors came in and told her they was, they was hurt, that they couldn't do no more for her, she said to the doctors, I understand. She said, you too, you too have a ministry that is very difficult to do. And then she prayed for the doctors. She encouraged the doctors. The doctors and the nurses started crying. You know, it just this is the woman of God that God uses. She was ready to go home to be with the Lord. And they were saying that how she was encouraging everybody and praying for other people when she is the one that's in the bed about to go home. Folks, that's how we go out. That's, listen, be thou faithful to death, and I will give you a crown of life. God come to shadow the spirit of fear. He breaks it with a mighty slug hammer. His, all God is a mighty battle axe. He's a warrior. And they told us about when the wind came in, a supernatural wind came in. Pastor said he was outside, and the wind came in, and it just moved right in that area. It was a strong wind that just came in and sat on them. And my God, God was just moving supernaturally. The Bible says precious in the eyes of the Lord is one of the saints of God. Come home to be with the precious. Listen, man, God got people that love people of God. These people, man, listen, if, if you ain't ready for this move God give may do, he don't care about call, um, about titles. He wants people who want to do praise and worship to his glory. Hallelujah. Uh, we have a caller. I'm going to ask the caller, come on in, caller. Who are you? And people, don't forget. If you ever want to speak, just push star eight. This is South City Radio, and we're always about freedom of speech, freedom to grow, freedom to learn and know. <laughs> Welcome to South City Radio. All I ask you to do is be real, be safe, and be ready. Call it your life. Amen. Praise God. How are you guys doing? It's Brother Ryan. Ryan, how you doing, Dr. Wright? What's up, guys? I'm enjoying the real, the conversation. It's amazing, man. I was just listening. I, I was, can you hear me? Yes, sir. We hear you. Go ahead, bro. You got All right. 
Yeah, I was just listening to that um, testimony you gave about the lady that was, you know, going home and be with the Lord, but yet still she was ministering. You know what I mean? That's the ultimate unselfishness for her to be on her deathbed and to be praying for the doctors. That's something else, man. That's amazing. That really touched me when I heard that lady was dying. She had breath, she had uh, brain cancer, and here she is dying. And here, you know, that's the that's some kind of confidence that um, Apostle Paul had when he was in prison, when he was talking about for him to live, uh, for him for him to live as Christ and to die would be gain. And he was very very unselfish. That's the kind of unselfishness God is trying to get us to that level of unselfishness where we don't even can consider ourselves, you know, I mean, she knew where she was going, and then she was still ministering, like Jesus Christ came to minister, he came to seek and to save that which is love, and to minister to those and give his life a ransom for many. God wants to get the church to that level of unselfish service, self-sacrifice and service, where we, you know, care about mankind and to be out here on a, a rescue mission. When people get lost in the world, People go camping, you know what I mean? They they set up a, a, a search and rescue mission. They get the top people together. They get experts together, and they go looking for the people. And that's what God has given us the word for, for to do, for to go look for the uh, lost. Jesus Christ said he came to seek and to save that which is lost. So, I mean, that level of unselfishness that the lady had when she was on her deathbed, is where where God wants the church to be, and that, that really touched me, you know. And, and besides, it puts everything into perspective. I just lost a friend. I was telling Kev um, a few days ago, not too long. His funeral was coming up, and it put death puts everything into perspective. Like, what are we doing down here? All of the bickering, all the arguing, all of the stuff that we go through with each other. Like James says. Within your members, don't these wars stem from your members that's on the earth? And we argue and fight over stuff that really don't even matter at the end of the day because we're only here temporarily. Your life is but a vapor. So in a perspective of death, when you really think about it, a lot of stuff really means nothing. And, and God wants to get us to the, un, the level of unselfishness where we serve people and we genuinely love people, and we just care for people. We want to see people close to Jesus Christ, every person that we minister to. We want to see them get close to Jesus Christ. We want to see them grow in Jesus Christ, and that's what it's all about. Praise God. Praise. I mean, uh, Ron, that is so, so important, man. I just admired her, and I love her husband. This is, I can tell you, when I talk with her husband, he speaks with such wisdom and understanding. Mm. This is a powerful, I admire the man so much. And when he shared with me where he came from, my mouth dropped. Listen, mm-hmm. it, this man, Dr. Boots Williams, he's very humble, humble. You wouldn't even knew he was a doctor. I'm telling you. He, I mean, he, and he treats everybody the same way. So humble. So as many of you, I want to tell everybody out there listening, please keep Dr. Bruce Williams and his two sons, they're grown, but keep them in your prayers, please. Loving, loving man of God. He loves people. He, he got his practice in North Philly where he's still helping his people. Grew up in West um, North Philly, born and raised, I believe, 
went to college, became a doctor, came back and serving his people. And as a doctor, you when your wife gets sick, you the doctor, he delivered both of his sons when they were born. Wow. Now family, I'm telling you, God got people who is renowned on the earth, who understand, and when he prays, he put the uh, the thing over the claw, the Jewish claw, because a lot of his friends are Jewish, and he did one time when he prayed, he was up with the church, he was praying about each one with the, with the, the cloth represent the things that was on it. It was just awesome. But if you talk about a man who was sound in the word, good God. And, and dear Sister Debbie, God bless her soul, she used to stretch out with the mothers and pray, lay before the Lord, just praying, praying and praying. Then she would teach the word to the mothers of Zion of the church. She would teach the word. So God got people who understand what it's about, y'all. They don't mm-hmm. care about titles. Yep. <laughs> we have another caller there. We don't want to keep the caller waiting. Caller, come on in. We want you to join in. If you dare, come on in, caller. Amen. I guess the caller's getting ready to come on in any second. So we, we just Yeah, want that was to... just me. I'm sorry. I just had a little uh technical uh. There we go. Hey. You live on South City Radio. Church. What we think it do? Paul, are you there? You got to unmute you yourself, caller, because you're already unmuted. Hello. Proceed on, and maybe they'll talk right when they figure it out. Okay. Well, caller, just hit your unmuted button from your own phone, and then you'll be able to talk. I guess they're getting ready to come back in. But, folks, we want to talk about the church of Laodicea. Ah, Laodicea is an interesting church because this is the last of the seven churches that God is talking to. Now, this church, let's go into our word. Is the call ready? Call, are you ready? Yeah, we can hear you. You got to talk a little louder, though. We can hear you. Hey, I'm calling from Deliverance. This is who you say, say your name again, brother. Cooley from Deliverance. Hey, my main man. What's up, boy? <laughs> How are you, Cooley? How's it going? Um, yeah, I like what you uh, said yesterday. What was it? Then the last meeting we had Saturday about the death of a human, how deep are we? A legion can, when Jesus was like, who are you? And he said, and the demon said, legion. And, you know, Jesus Christ went on to say, when um, when a man is, a demon is exercised out of a man, and then a demon comes back and sees that it's cleaned and swept, and seven times, you know, they get a demon seven times worse, and that man is in a state worse than he was in, in the first, the first time before he got delivered. And I like how you said how deep are we as humans that one Holy Spirit can fill us, but a legion can also be in us if we don't accept, you know, the Lord. But that still doesn't fill us. Wow. Uh, what that, I've is- been on that all day, all, all, well, since Saturday. Like, wow, that was amazing. You know? That's why we ought to be filled. I want to I'm bring sorry. 
Yeah, that's okay, Cooley. I want to bring everybody up to part what he's talking about, because some of y'all might be like, what is he talking about? Well, Saturday we had our men's fellowship, and uh, uh, we it was something that was on my mind when I was on my way to drive and work. I was going to the men's fellowship, and I was listening to the radio station, and uh, they was talking about a man, y'all know, the man who was possessed with demons in the graveyard. When he saw Jesus, he ran to Jesus, and the spirits that was in him began to worship Jesus. You see, demons worship him, too. The Bible said, every knee shall bow, <laughs> every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. No other name now. Jesus is Lord. Demons worship Jesus. So when they worship him, who he was, they said, we know who thou art. Jesus, thou son of God, did you come to torment us before our time? So Jesus told them to hold their peace because some things he didn't want everybody to know about at that time. And so he told, he asked them, what is your name? They said, our name is Legion, for there is many of us. A Legion is anywhere from 3,000 to 5,000, or it could be 8,000. But all those demons was in one man. Now, we know demons are spirits. We know they're spirits. They don't have a body like we do. But I asked a question, and I was saying it with the men at the men's fellowship. I said, well, how big is our soul, our spirit, that legions can be inside of and still can't pull it up? That's a great, that's a great void, folks. This is why it was only meant for the Holy Ghost to fill us up. He is the only thing that can fill us up. You can be into fornicating and not be filled. You can be into getting high and not be filled. You can be into pride and not be filled. You can be self-righteous and religious and not be filled. You can have money and not be filled. Cars and houses and you still got a void in you. Only the Holy Ghost can fill that void that is in man. And so I said and I said with the brother, God has put eternity in our hearts. Your heart is your soul, your spirit. Your heart is your spirit. And only the Holy Ghost can fill that void. So what Cooley was saying, what that thing stayed with him, listen, y'all, it was meant for men to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Only the Holy Ghost is allowed to be in you. The Bible said, be not drunk with wine wherein is assets, but be ye filled with the Spirit of God. You want to be able to do that thing which is right before God so he can fill you with his Spirit. If pride is there, adultery is there, fornication is there, you're not filled. And I know we go through things. Everybody gets tempted, y'all. I'm not talking about being tempted. All of us have temptation, things that we desire, and our body craves for certain appetites at different times. I understand that. God can bring you through. The Bible said, let the weak say that I am strong. So he can bring you through those things. And the Bible said, those who are strong should bear the infirmity of the weak. We sharpen one another. We encourage one another. I like that, what Cootie was talking about, what he brought to the table. And that that is awesome, man. That is awesome, man. And I'm just thinking about it. It blessed me even more. And uh, I think about, again, Dr. Williams and his wife, who went home to be with the Lord, beautiful home-going service, mighty man of valor. Um, but
But I want to read about Leah the Sea, and I want you guys to give me some feedback, Cookie and Ron and whoever else want to call in. We're going to read the book of Revelation. Revelation means to unveil, to uncover. And we're going to look at It's a lot of things going on with the United States. As you know, the um, uh, the thing the eclipse just went through, uh, keep those in prayer in Miami, Florida, and Houston. Flood storms as Kari came through there. Keep Atlanta, Georgia in prayer. Keep South Carolina and North Carolina in prayer. I don't know if it's north or south. They're getting hit with tornadoes and waves. Too. Keep the people of God everywhere in prayer. But not only that, keep the citizen in prayer. There's only one race, the human race. Keep Mexico in prayer. They dealt with an earthquake of eight point something. The storm came through there. Harvey, not not Harvey, I forgot the iron or something like that. The storm came through there, and then they got hit with a tornado, I mean an earthquake. So we got to keep these people in prayer, folks. There's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of people hurting. There's a lot of people at despair. And we really don't know where they're at in their spirit at this time. They might be thinking, why is God letting this happen to me? They not had nothing to do with God. They not had nothing to do with God at all, folks. They not had nothing to do with God, man. Listen, this stuff is prophecy, but it's also the fulfillment of the end time prophecy. So what I'm saying to everybody is this. Keep the people of God in prayer. The Bible says all things work together for good. All right. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of Laodicea, right, these things say to amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, listen to thy works, that thou art not cold nor hot. I would. That thou wert cold, y'all not cold or hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. He said, I wish you were cold or if you was hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I would spew you out of my mouth. In other words, God said this church made him sick. Folks, you either going to take a hot shower or you might have to take a cold shower. But nobody want a lukewarm salad. You want your meal hot or you'll have a cold salad or tuna salad. But no one want lukewarm food. So then because I don't lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I would spew thee out of my mouth. Because you say it, and this is what brought God to this conclusion, I am rich. You ready for the lukewarm? I'm rich. Increased with good. I've got a lot of goods coming to me. And have need of nothing. I don't need anything. And know it's not that you are wretched. You're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Wretched? Listen to this. Miserable. You know you can be miserable. When people are miserable, they can't sleep. Well, let me put it like this. You can sleep, but you ain't getting no rest. You could sleep for 10 hours, but you didn't get rest. Have you ever slept and didn't get no rest? I know what that's like. Oh, I know what that's like. You slept, but you didn't get no rest. And then sometimes you could sleep for one hour, but you got plenty of rest. Hello, somebody. Because you say I'm rich and increasing good and have need of nothing, you know it's not that you are wretched and miserable 
and poor. But this is the person that said they was rich. And you're blind. They can't even see. So do you know the spiritual world have eyes? You got to see what's going on spiritual around you. Do you understand what is going on? When we read the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel says, the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand. I remember Jesus said they have ears, but they hear not. They have mouth, but they speak not. They have eyes, but they see not. The Bible was talking about people who worship the idol. Listen, I counsel thee, here's the counsel, to buy of me gold tried in fire. We're going to talk about what that means. That you might be rich and white raiment, that you might be clothed, and that your shame of your nakedness do not appear. And anoint your eyes with eye save that you might see. Let Ron talk about eye save. He might want to touch on that. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Isn't God sweet, man? He said, as many as I, I love you, I don't hate you. I'm rebuking you. The word rebuke means to correct you. But I want you to be zealous. If you're going to have zeal, be zealous towards repentance. You see, there's a lot of people may have zeal. I want the movement. I got zeal to get in that movement. I want the title. I got zeal to get the title. I want to move up in my job. I got zeal to get that position. I want to get more education. I got zeal to get the code of college, get that education. But do you have zeal to repent? Many people got zeal to repent. Oh, we ain't going to talk about that. Calvin needs to repent, not me. I ain't got to repent. Brother Calvin do. (laughs) Behold, I said at the door and knocked. Here is a great classic story of the door. I want you to know the way the door is designed. When you see the door, when it speaks of a door, there is no doorknob outside. So the only way the door can be opened is from the inside. He's knocking at the door. And listen to what he said. Behold, I stand at the door knocking. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him with me. If you hear his voice, that's the knock. Sometimes people think things literally knocking. That's not what he's saying. When he said, I'm knocking at the door of your heart, I'm knocking at the door of your spirit. The voice of the Lord is a knock. That's the knock. The day that you hear his voice, don't hard the heart to tell people. And listen to what he said. To him that overcometh, I would grant to sit with me my throne, even as I also have overcome and have sat down with my father in his throne. He that has an ear to hear, my phone is giving me feedback. Use your phone for a minute. Use your phone. I'm getting feedback. I can hear myself. He that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the church. The church of Laodicea was a profound church. They was awesome. This was a church that God had dealt with. Now, I want Excuse to me. Yes, Excuse me, Mr. Calvin. Um, hey, caller, um, can you mute your phone? Because we're definitely getting some feedback, so I don't have to mute you. Thank you for your time. Go ahead, Mr. Calvin. Hey, everybody, uh, this is church. The church of Ephesus was an awesome church. The church, as you just seen, was very wealthy. Now, I want to share this with you. There's the history of the church.
five things that God told his church. He told them, one, he knew about their works. Two, he mentioned that they was not cold, nor was they hot. Three, they was lukewarm people. Are you hearing me? Four, they was proud and self-satisfied. Five, they was ignorant to the true state of what they was in. And this is scary, folks. It sounds like what's going on right now. Now, when we go through the seven churches, let me say this again to everybody. Folks, look at yourself when you see these churches. We're not talking about a building. Look at yourself. Though it represents, remember, these seven churches represent the body of Christ over seven dispensations. We'll go through each one of these attributes of the church. It also represents every building church is in one of these stages of one of these seven churches. But it also, more importantly, it represents who we are individually are in one of these states. The three things that God uh, estimates of the church was they said, I'm rich, I am increased with good, and I don't have a need for nothing. Man, this is scary. This is somebody who got money, got everything. They don't owe a debt. Life is good. But they are a Christian. But they are content where they're at. There is no zeal. So God had to tell them to have zeal. But the zeal, he's telling them, be zealous to repent. That's what zeal is supposed to be at the most. Be quick to repent. The Bible said, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. This is a church that had major problems. This church was messed up. It looked at gorgeous. It looked at awesome. But the church had some messy problems going on. Now, there are different stages that you see all different types of churches throughout the Bible. Uh, one of the churches that I'm dealing with, one of the churches uh, with the elderly people, we go through the, the church of the Corinthians church. All the gifts were jumping off the wall. They can, they can heal, they can prophesy, they can, uh, man, they had word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Corinthians was a bad church when it came to the gifts. But Corinthians was messed up inside, which tells us that, God not only concerned about your gifts, because the gifts and the calling are without repentance. So we just want to open the floor up for anybody, if they want to say anything at this time, to say something. Talk to us. Cooley, Ron, anybody want to say anything? Or if you want to call, please push star eight. Is there something you would like to add to that? And we just want to talk about that. Ron, if you're still there, I want yeah, to hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, sir, I hear you, bro. All right. I want you to start with the part that he talks about with the uh, we just I read. Saw. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you elaborate on that? And whatever else you want to say, it's the floor is yours. And Cooley, if you want to say something, please share with us, please. We want to hear what you brother got to say. Go ahead, Ron. You got it. Okay. Amen. That's awesome, brother. Thank you for sharing the word. I'm really enjoying this. You know, it's really feeding my soul. But yeah, this church is. It is typical of what's going on right now in our churches. And this is a this layer of the scene. By the time this is written, 
they're very prosperous. Some of the letters of Paul were uh, addressed to them as well. Uh, letter, the Colossians letter was addressed not only to the Colossians, but to that general area. You'll see it in uh, Colossians chapter 4. He, he mentions Laodicea. Paul does. The church of Laodicea as well. But they had begun to get very prosperous. And one of the things they were known for was this eye solve in their medical colleges. It was like a medicinal purposes that they would use to help people with their eyesight and stuff. And not only for eyesight, for ointment. But the thing is, what God is doing right now, he's trying to get them to repent. He mentioned, he's mentioning every area in which they're prospering. You're saying that you are rich. You're saying you got this. You increase with goods. And so the Laodicean is the person that is consumed. He is consumed with the things of this world. He is consumed with the things of this life. He is consumed with getting ahead in this world. And he's not, he's not concerned with the things of God. And, and, and this is in the church. And so he's talking to the church, his Laodicean Christians. And so now he says, uh, <laughs> I got something for you. I got the real thing for you. You know what I mean? Buy of me gold tried in the fire. You know what I mean? Anoint thine eyes with eyes off. The real eyes off, which is he, the spiritual blindness, the word of the Lord. Not the physical eye salve that you're using for physical healing that's getting you a lot of money, but anoint your eyes with eye salve, meaning the word of the Lord, which can uh, take away spiritual blindness. So he's really, like you said earlier, he's get, trying to get them to repent and is out of love. And so he's be zealous and repent. You know what I mean? You guys are zealous for everything else, but be zealous and repent. And like you said earlier, each Christian should look at this book individually and measure themselves up to the book and put yourself in the book. And so he's talking to us as a whole about not going after the things of the world, but going after the things of God. And as you go after the things of God, remember Jesus Christ says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. I'm not saying don't work. I'm not saying don't have ambition. I'm not saying don't have goals. But what I'm saying is don't become like Laodicean where they had got so fat, like Nebuchadnezzar, look at me, I'm flourishing in my kingdom, and they forget God. See what I'm saying? So the Laodicean, he for, he or she forgets God and, and all of their pursuits, and they just get attached to this present world and be go, and forget all about the things of God. And so this is, God is trying to get them to repent, and he mentions this eye solve, which is their source of income, and he said, no, I got the real eye solved for you. You guys are really blind, which is the word of the Lord. Wow. Man, I tell you, Ron, that was, that was excellent, man. You broke that thing down. You know, the people of God, we just. And they made a lot of money off that, too. Just sorry about that. They were making mm -hmm. a lot of money off of that. Wow. Mm-mm-mm-mm. There's a lot of things God wants us to have. And the day I had, I, Cooley, I hope you're still there, Cooley, because I want to hear from you again, Brother Cooley. Um, the, one of the things that I asked God this question today, y'all, and I said, listen, I said, Lord, are we as your people, we're not really doing what your Bible is telling us to do. <laughs> the same, man. I'm going to be honest with y'all. But God really, and especially us as African Americans, we are the epitome 
of embarrassment when it comes to this body, the Bible. We are. We are embarrassment, man. We so caught up into gifts. We don't care about each other. It is sickening. We so caught up into titles and gifts and look at me, and then we, we, we like crabs in a barrel. We always tearing each other down. What is mean us that don't want to see each other succeed? We criticize each other. Oh, you think you're a bag of chips and all this stuff like that. And we just we hate on each other so bad. Let me tell you something. I won't waste my time texting and tearing down nobody else. I, I don't have time for that. My hour and my time is too valuable. I spend time with my family. I got to go to work. I got to talk to people. I love building up. I got too much time trying to take care of my family and find out my purpose in life and build up the people of God. I don't have time to tear you down. I care less what you do. I care about you, but I'm not to the point that I'm worried about who you think you are. That's very important to me. Or I got to keep an eye on you. Brother, I love people. I was born in a family that helped people. That's who I am. You ain't got to get deep to try to figure me out. I'll tell you who I am. If you want to have coffee or sit down, I'll tell you why I'm in. Who am I? If if anybody would tell you that grew up with me, they will always tell you that I was the guy that liked to help everybody. I've been doing this all my life. I'm not doing it for title. I'm not doing it for recognition. This is the ignorance of our people. We fight against one another and hold each other down, and then we get frustrated, and then the people leave. And then when that person leaves from whatever they was doing, all those people's lives, they was impact, impact, fall apart. And then we satisfy. Now, nobody ain't trying to help nobody. But oh, soon as somebody rises up to try to help people, we want to think they got an angle. Watch out for them. Be careful with them. You got to, what's wrong with us? What's wrong? Why, why are we that, in, are we really that insecure? When you see our Caucasian brethren, they do their thing. They build each other. Folks, let me tell you something. When the Caucasian brethren get together, this is Bill and this is Larry. We're going to do a ministry together, get sandwich, and go out and give it to the homeless people. So I'm going to use Brother Bill. We're going to do a, a camp. We want you all to <laughs> They don't care about, you know what I mean? They ain't saying get all the pastors. No. Larry, you used to be on crack. We want to hear your testimony. Get on up there and share your testimony. John, you was an alcoholic and an adulterer. Share what the Lord has delivered you from. They don't care about that dumb stuff. And God adds to their church, and they grow. Hello. It grows. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at these people, our friend Rob, the tornado came through, ripped the roof off, flat the house straight down. We all can get hammers and nails. We're going to build that house right back up in the name of the Lord. Come on, y'all. Let's give the Lord. Then, well, you know, you better be careful. He might take advantage of you. you go build this house back up. Maybe the boy ain't living right. That's why his house fell. This is us as people of color. This is how far we've fallen from God. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. I'm blessed. You blessed, and somebody else struggling, but you don't want to do a doggone thing for them. God have mercy on us. Help us, Lord. Help us, Jesus. Coolie, are you still here, brother? <laughs> 
cooley. <laughs> I'm just eating, just listening, and eating off of what y'all saying. And I don't have much to say. I'm just reflecting off of what you said and just taking it in. Um, other than that, I'm here. <laughs> Uli is a blessing. He's from a minister to God. is using him. God has a call on his life. He goes out with Soul Patrol with the church on Friday night, and they out. Amen, amen, amen. At night time, I would sometimes I would come down here and sit with them just to be around those men of God, and they talk, they meet together, then they go out. Give out track. It's 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. They out there with police officers that save and love the Lord. They went in the law at nighttime. People partying in high heels and many shirts on the hip of this man of God. Can I tell you about Jesus? <laughs> I mean, this is what it's about, y'all. It's about winning souls. Listen, God has blessed us with many avenues to win uh, uh, souls at our church. Uh, The book of Nehemiah talks about the gates. I believe it was 12 gates that he had to build back up. God might have called you to build one of those gates up at your church, wherever you may be at. Find the gates, build the gates back up. Nehemiah had a vision when he heard how Jerusalem was torn down and the gates was broken and it was in shambles. His heart broke, he fast. He was the cupbearer for the king. And when the king asked him what was wrong with him, he began to share with the king. His heart was hurting because we heard about Jerusalem. It was torn down. The king gave him the paperwork he needs, the men he needs, the supply he needs, and they went by Home Depot and got all the supplies they needed and built back up to it. <laughs> In other words, we know Home Depot around in those days, y'all. But the king gave him the lumber he needed, everything he needed. In other words, he gave him authority. But what was his title, Brother Calvin? He's a cupbearer who was called to build back up Jerusalem, man. God don't care about titles. The cupbearer job was to drink, to see if somebody poisoned the king, because if he was poisoned in that cup, he died first before the king did. He was a taster, in other words. He was only there to take the cup, pour it in there. He tasted it and said, it's good, king. You can drink it. He used a man like that to build up Jerusalem. Think about that. I mean, really, really, really let it set it in your mind. Not a church. Not a neighborhood. A big Jerusalem. Jerusalem. He was sent by a king, y'all, a king. Gave him all the power he needs. He is a cup barrier to go build. Go and build back up God's house. Folks, let me tell you something. God is not a respectable person, but he is a respectable principle. A lot of people with titles get mad when I talk about that. They want you to think about their titles. (laughs) Man, I care less about folks' titles, man. I give honor to whom honor is due, and I respect. I love to see great leaders when they step up and do what they got to do. Man, I admire leaders. When I see leaders have a heart for people who love people, who is compassionate for people, I love that, man. But it makes me sick to my stomach when I see people who just care about their title and how good they can preach or teach and 
It does nothing to build up the kingdom of God. We are here to build people. The Holy Ghost didn't come just to make people have the Holy Ghost good time. The Holy Ghost came to convict men of their sins, to lead men back to repentance, and make disciples of men. That is the job of the Holy Ghost. Now, we can get deep and talk about who's anointed and all. We talk about gifts anyway. People are so immature in knowing God. They think the anointed is about gifts. The anointing is come to deliver men from sin. You can be a flat-footed man talking to someone, and the anointing that's in your life will compel them to want to get saved. It Amen. is you, the anointing in you. And a lot of times people think the gift is anointed. Let me bust people bubble right now. Gifted people, the gift and calling is without repentance. You got some people so gifted, they'll run circles around you. You wouldn't even know they speak with three and four women. Are you hearing me? That right. gift is there and prophesied up and down your back. Are you hearing me? They know how to use the church. They know church etiquette. They know all that. And the pastors will be bringing them in by the droves, making money. But their character still needs to be healed. You get me? And they know they're hurting. But they're scared to tell the people they're hurting. But the gifts is the oh, it's, it's the gift, man. It's, it's ridiculous. Off the charts. We see it when they come to certain churches. Some of them make big money. They fly all over, making big money. They get this. You can't deny it. They get it. The gifts are there. But the anointing destroys yoke. Destroys yoke. You know, I, I, let me say this to everybody who, who really make money off their gift and do very well with their gift. It would be beautiful if you came to outside and meet the people who are in deep, dark sin. Let me tell you something. You want to really know how anointed people is? Go out on the streets. You're going to find out who's really anointed. Take them out of the atmosphere. You, you listen, y'all. Take them out of the fish tank, that big giant fish tank that they love to swim in where the water's clean and everything is good. Put them in the ocean. Let's see how long they last. Take them around the center, man. The border's on crack. The one that's snorting cocaine. Put them around them. Because I'm going to tell you something. The center man may be sinning. But they know when God is talking. Don't get it twisted, y'all. Oh, it's nothing like talking to a good old sinner, man. And you see them crying and the tears just can't stop. And you're just talking to them. That's what the Holy Ghost is here for, y'all. <laughs> you can't dress it up. It's here for the lost soul. Amen. It's here for the lost soul. Ron, you want to say something for him, brother? No, I'm just... I'm just listening, man. That's that's the truth, man. That's what we're here for. We're here to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that was the message that the apostles had from the time he was taken up, from the baptism of John until the time he was taken up. When they started that on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost fell, they went out into the world. They were filled in the room, and then a revival spilled out into the world. A lot of times people will say revival is for the church, but... That's not true. When they got filled with the Holy Ghost, then they went out and they preached. So the revival happened outside the next same day. 3,000 got saved. 
and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. The growth of the church is not measured by people moving from this church to that church. That's not church growth because you got new Christians coming to your church. Your church is not growing. If I got 15 people coming to my church every week that's already saved that come from other churches, that's not church growth. Church growth is measured by new converts, and then new converts become disciples. And that's what we have to take them from, from a convert to a disciple. It's two different things. And that's what we missing that we have to start making disciples out of the nations. And that's what it's all about. But it's only going to happen by the power of the anointing, which is the Holy Spirit, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You have an unction from the Holy One. And so you can't do it in the flesh. You have to do it in the spirit. But that's what it's all for. That's the purpose of the church, to bring men to Jesus Christ. We are what we call ambassadors for Christ. You know what I mean? We're strangers in this world. We, we, our citizenship is in heaven, the scripture says. And so it's just like we, are, we have been sent from another country to make reconciliation with the king of our country, which is a heavenly land. But, it, I mean, I'm just reiterating what you're already saying is that we are here to spread the gospel and to win souls. Anything else that we get caught up in is because of our own selfish desires. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. So it's our own selfish desires. And like you said, man, the, the, the titles and the position. Jesus Christ, Paul says, Jesus, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who made himself of no reputation. And that's the problem. We're looking for reputation. You know what I love about my um, late Pastor Smith used to say, and when he would say this, I would laugh so hard because I said, Pastor's crazy, man. He said, if you're not doing what God called you to do and being focused on the Lord, he would say, the devil is going to make dog meat out of you. I had to slip out of way and use the words that make you laugh. You know what dog meat is like, folks? It's grinded up, well grinded up. You hear me? <laughs> and he will always, and as a young man, I will always, as he always talking about what the devil is going to do. He was a general. But he always reminds you that if you're in a battle, it's not just happening. There's something invisible behind that force that's impacting it that's wrong. So he would tell us to pray, how to pray, when to pray. We got a lot of new loving saints who came to deliverance, and, and I'm grateful for a lot of the saints who came. But, oh, God, I wish they had heard what Pastor Smith was like. You will understand why we like we are now because that man was no joke. Listen, he believed in holiness. He believed in serving God. He believed in winning souls. And he would get offended. He would get offended, offended. He didn't let you put him on no pedestal. You can forget that. If you try to call him an apostle, you're going to have a problem. You're going to get rebuked. If you try to make him a bishop, he didn't want no other title but just pastor Smith. He didn't like that, but yet he will operate. He definitely had an apostle calling on his life, y'all. I kid you not, man. But this man was always about souls, man. 
he was always about souls. And he would go out with the outreach. So we got to learn whatsoever things we learned in the past. We watched leaders do things, and everybody is different. But the one thing that I do know for certain, a lot of things he told us in the past, I'm seeing it come to pass now. Now I understand why he would preach like he did. I understand it. Now I understand why he told the church to pray. Now I understand why he told us to say in our words. He always pushed that on us. Keep the word. Get in your words. Stop listening to what people are telling you. He said, don't pay those people no mind. You just keep doing what God called you to do. He will always remind us of how to stay focused. You can be doing everything God called you to do, minding your own business, and somebody's always going to want to attack you. They just, they coming at you. They coming at you. And so I want you to be mindful of that. Ladies and gentlemen, please remember this. When Revelation opened up, it opens up with the seven churches. The first thing Jesus did was deal with judgment at the church because judgment must first begin where? In the house, house of, of God. God. Yes. So when he started with his judgment, he started rebuking his church first. Then he went into the other mystery of what's going to take place on the earth, which brings us to chapter 4. It gets real interesting now. Now, we're going to go into the book, I mean, chapter 4 of Revelation. And we're going to read from chapter 4, verse 1. And he said, after this, I looked it, and behold, a door was opened. This is a spiritual door, y'all, in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it was a trumpet talking to me. That means it was loud. You know when a trumpet blows, it's loud. And listen to what the voice said to him, which said, come up hither. Now, this is symbolic of the church of God being raptured up. It has symbols in it. He said, come up hither, and I will show you the things which must be hereafter. Oh, boy, it's getting ready to get interesting. And listen to what John said. And immediately I was in the spirit. Mm-hmm. He went from one level to another. He's gone now. He's not even in time no more, y'all. When you're in eternity, you're in no time zone. You're in eternity. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he that sat to look upon like a jasper, and listen to me, and a star, stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne. When you see that rainbow in the sky, God told Noah, he put the rainbow there as a token that he would never again destroy the earth by flood. He didn't say it won't be another flood, but he said he would not again destroy the world by flood. And it was a rainbow round about the throne, and it's likened to an emerald. And around about the throne was four and twenty seats. And upon the seats, I saw four and twenty elders. When you look at the word elder, elder is an older person in the church. They've been around for a while. And so there's a lot of people who think different things who these elders could be. I'm not quite sure, to be honest with you, who these elders are. But these were elders. They were seasoned men of God. And it talks about the elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. This is what it's all about. Excuse me. Getting that crown of gold 
uh, uh, gold on your head. It ain't about titles and positions. You can take 50 titles and never get a crown. I'm going for the crown, baby. I know where it's at. I know what it's all about. And out of the throne proceeded lightning and thundering and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. Now, y'all know the seven lamps represent the seven churches, representing the seven spirits. Which are the seven spirits of God? Okay? And therefore the throne, there was a sea of glass. Now, here we go. We're going in front of the throne. Now you're going into there's a sea of glass. I was told that we have a caller. Come on in, caller. Who are you? Talk to us, caller. How are you, caller? Welcome to Sound Radio. Is the caller there? Yes. Sound City Radio. How you doing? Caller, you are you have been unmuted. You're live on the radio. This is church. Who are we speaking to? Well, caller, remember, if you can figure out how to unmute your phone, maybe we might be able to hear you. So whenever you figure that one out, please have your conversations ready. Hey, um, Mr. Got Mice. Yes, live. sir. Okay. So we're waiting on that caller to come in. Caller, when you're ready, just let us know that you're there. Okay. Now, where did we stop? And out of the throne proceeded lightning, verse 5, chapter 4, verse 5, thundering and voices, a fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Listen, here we go, verse 6. And before the throne was a sea of glass. I love this, y'all. Oh, man, heaven is beautiful, man. Here is a sea, it looks like glass, like unto crystal. You can see through it, y'all. It's beautiful. In the midst of the throne. And round about the throne were the four beasts, full of eyes before, before and behind. These beasts, which is seraphim. The seraphim word means burning one. They got eyes in front of them, eyes in back of them. They call them beasts, but they're like an angels that be around God's throne. The first beast was like a lion. The second beast is like a calf. The third beast is like the face of a man. The fourth beast was like of a flying eagle. Do that sound familiar, folks? The four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Mm -hmm. Luke, John. Matthew, he's the king of kings. It deals with the kingship of God. He lays down the spiritual law, which is the beatitude. The book of Mark, he's the ox. He's the servant. It don't talk about his history. And the book of Matthew, it talks about his kingship history. And the book of Mark, he's a servant. A servant don't have an identity. He is a servant. He's a laborer. He works hard. You should not muzzle the, the ox that treaded upon the Treaded out the corn. Yes, thank you. It's a laborer. It works hard. And then in the next one, Luke, he represents the man, the righteous man. It talks about his history, his genealogy. John the Baptist is his cousin. Then it's Jesus. It goes all the way back, which is the whole book that goes back, who say, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. It deals with the lineage of Christ being the son of God, the book of Luke. And then it's the book of John. 
is he's the ego. He sits high, he looks low, he can see far, he can fly high, representing the spirit of the Lord. And in the book of John, he talks more about I and my father. It's more read writing about Jesus in the book of John than any other book because it talks basically about what was the words that Jesus had said. So each one of these angels was a symbolic of the four creatures, rather, the beast of the gospel. And when those beasts gave glory and honor and thanks to him, I'm reading that verse 9, that sat on the throne who lived forever and ever. Lord have mercy. You know you better not be worshiping no men. Men don't live forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Four and twenty elders fall they fall down before him and sat on the throne and worship him that live forever and ever and casted their crown before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. All things, not some things, all things, for thy pleasure. And they are and and were created. I think the book of Thessalonians said, For by him all things were created that, that, that does exist, whether it be thrones or dominion or power and all this. All this was made for Christ. Yes, it was Colossians. Thank you. And so. As you look at these things that God created, y'all, he, he's the king of kings. This temporary life don't mean anything, folks. Don't ever miss your full purpose of life over a second in this earth. So basically, that's what it is. Compared to eternity, your life is just like a second, y'all. And, and I, mean, I mean, come on, man. And you're only here for today and you're gone. The Bible says you're like vapor, which vapor is really like water. When water is spilled, it dry up and evaporates into the air. That's what your life is like. Do you really want glory to yourself? Do you really want to talk about your title? Do you want to really pat yourself? Are you really that important? Man, we're not that important, man. God will raise up anybody at any time. He'll raise up the one that you least expect. Let me tell you something, man. Listen, folks. It's the people that we thought ain't worthy of us wasting our time with. Those are the ones God is going to raise up. Oh, he's going to raise them up. Because he likes he like to show himself strong in weak things. That's the mm-hmm. reason it is. He, he got so much power. He just don't know what to do with it sometimes. He just said, let me raise this person up. Who is that? I'm looking for outcasts. Is there an outcast? You and I were outcasts. People gave up on us. They thought of us as nothing. They thought of you, you dumb, you're uneducated, you ain't nobody important, so I, you, you, I, I don't got time for you. You ain't got what I got. You don't have what I got. You're not going where I'm going at, so I don't want to talk to you. And, and you being around my company, you know there's some people you will be around because you can't talk properly like they talk. They won't even talk to you. Do you hear me? There are people who I knew that was like that. They're dead and gone. Because you're not as educated as they are, they died, y'all. Not because they didn't want to talk to you. Please don't misunderstand me. Because they were caught up in themselves. They're not even on the earth no more. God saw that. Mm-hmm. He wasn't saved. 
but they're not even on the earth no more. Is the caller ready? Caller, are you there? Somebody was calling in. We want to we wanna hear from you, caller. Are you there, caller? Please unmute your phone and come on in, caller, and talk with us. We want to hear what you got to say, caller. You're important to us. So, Ron, I want to hear, what do you think about that, Dr. Ron? Something you want to add to that? No, um, just, just to end being blessed, man, it's awesome, man. I mean, I, I agree 100% with what you're saying. I, I, I just think that, you know, God has to bring us to humility, man. You know what I mean? I, you know, God resists the problem, give grace to the humble. i rather, and he gives us a chance, too. You know what I mean? He gives us a chance to make the, the decision, like uh, he gave Saul. Listen, go do this, Saul. Utterly wipe out the Amalekites. Saul wants to do his own thing. You know what I mean? He wants to be his own person, and he was very rebellious, and so he didn't wipe them out. But my thing is this. God gives us a chance to humble ourselves. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. So don't say you can't do it because the Scripture admonishes us to do it. Humble yourself. <laughs> We can do it. You know what I mean? Of course, it's, it's his power in us and us yielding to the Holy Spirit. You can do all things through Christ. But humble yourself. You know what yeah. I mean? And he that humbles himself shall be exalted, but he exalts himself shall be brought low. And so I, I just want to live in a, a constant state. The Christian life is, is, is a constant state of reflecting on what God has brought us from and a constant state of repentance. You know what I mean? not putting ourselves above each other, you know what I mean? Even Paul tells us that we should uh, esteem others higher than ourselves, you know what I mean? And that's what it's about. But the competition factor has, you know, it has overtaken us, and we just love to compete with one another. Well, I remember being on the the gymnastic team, and one of the things that um, my coach, would do, he set leaders up over us, and uh, <clears throat> this thing goes back, man, because I, when it, you know, you get older and you look back over your life, you begin to understand that God was prepping you all your life to be around yep. people, do things as a corporate. Uh, the corporate anointing is real, y'all. Oh, my God. If you read Genesis chapter 11, it said the people has become one. And whatever they put their mind to do, nothing, nothing, go read it. Nothing shall be restrained from them. But what causes? Was it the Holy Ghost? No. The people had become one. We praying to God, Lord, let the Holy Ghost make us one. You're praying wrong. (laughs) He said when the people have made up their mind to be one. In fact, I'm going to take it a step further. Go to the book of Acts. The Bible said the people was on one accord. Then the Holy Ghost came in there. Holy Ghost ain't yep. coming to nothing that's broken up like a slice of pizza. He's not coming to a puzzle ministry. Missing pieces of puzzles all over the place. He wanted to become one piece. Now he can come in. Corporate anointing is about to take place. Man, I'm waiting for the corporate anointing. I've seen the pyramid. From the time I got into the church, I've seen the pyramid. But I got to see the corporate before I leave out of here. I'm not going to be satisfied 
as a one-man wrecking machine. God, that's not God's purpose, man. He did that in the Old Testament. So for anybody who thinks they're a one-man wrecking machine and they up on the pinnacle and everybody got to bow down to their title and their position, you stay right there in your own world. We, by the grace of God, is going to find people who want a corporate anointing. He want to use everybody. One of the mothers said this at the going home funeral. She said, God want to use everybody. But that's for another day and another time. I die <laughs> He want to use everybody. He doesn't care who he uses. He just want to use somebody. He wanna, he, the Bible says, for the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole world to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. He's not looking for great bishop and apostle. He care less about those people. Some of those people, they live in devil lives anyway. I don't, listen, I know I won't be popular and people may not like me for saying that, but I don't care about people's gifts and their ability. That don't impress you. Whoa, you truly gifted. Oh, God, use you. I, listen, I got friends who are around me who are prophets. Man, I got some, some, some bad boys, man. They're my friends, though. They prophets. When you sit around them, they got you. Trust me. When you get in their blinders, they see you. They know who you are. You can't come around them faking. They got you. And I love my friends, and they share things with me that God may lay on their heart. But at the end of the day, y'all, I still got to get confirmation in my spirit, even though I got friends around me who got the gifts, because if they miss God at any time, because they may be well-intentioned-wise, they may have a desire, and they might be have good intentions. But if they tell me something from the Lord, and I move off what they said, and God didn't tell me, and I miss God, man, I am done. I'm done. I can't just listen. I love my buddies. They got awesome gifts. But at the end of the day, let this be a warning for all of you out there. God got to give you confirmation. Make sure he gives you confirmation. Don't just move because when somebody prophesies something to you, you got to make sure you get confirmation from God. And when God gives you that clear confirmation, it's time to move, then you move. Other than that, if God didn't give you confirmation, you don't do nothing, nothing. Because they might see that it's true, but God is telling you to do something else. Let me give you a story. Excuse me, in the book of Acts, someone picked up Paul. I think it was the rope that go around his garment or something. They said, whoever owns his garment, they're going to be put into bondage and they're going to jail and all that stuff. Paul said, that's my garment. They said, Paul, don't go. Paul said, man, I got to go. They tried and begged Paul. Paul said, I'm going. He was persuaded what God was calling him to do. Now, they prophesied to him, which was good, and that was all good and dandy. Paul said, I got to go. I'm going there. They just don't have to lock me up. Listen, the gift and the calling was there, man. Those gifts are there to protect you. So you, you got to also know that, man, that God got our back. He got your back. But you got to make sure that you're able to hear from God. When the high priest, the Levite priest, was anointed, they would anoint his ear to hear from God. They would anoint his hand to do the work of the Lord. They would anoint his feet so that his foot may be ordered by the Lord. So God has people that he calls you to do things. If God puts something on your spirit to do and the church underneath the ministry, walk into what God is calling you to do. 
The people of God depend on you. The pastor needs you to be where you need to be at. You are uh, you you hear what I'm saying? Because yeah. he put things in your spirit to do it. God wanna use all his people. He loves you. People of God, God wanna use you. He wants to use you, but he wants you to stay humble as he continues to open doors for you. Don't get caught up in your gift. Walk with the Lord in the spirit of humility. Let God use you and have his way in your life, and he will blow your mind what he's calling you to do. Don't fight people. You let them fight against you. You keep doing what God called you to do. Be like Nehemiah. When Sam Ballot came and Sam Ballot began to talk about Nehemiah, Sam Ballot attacked at Nehemiah. He told him to come on down. He said, no, I'm up here. I'm doing a great work. Then Sam Ballot said, listen, if a fox run up into that place, it'll collapse. He started <laughs> criticizing Sam Ballot. He said, man, you up there trying to build a wall. It ain't going to last. But what did Nehemiah kept doing? He kept on building. He kept on building. Listen, man, God is a builder. If you are a builder, you join in with me and let's keep on praying for corporate anointing. Everybody wanted to see corporate anointing. My pastor wanted to see it, all of us. We're about corporate anointing, y'all. Listen, corporate anointing is where we're going at. When the church and the New Testament and Revelation, all those things, was in a corporate anointed flow, boy. I'm telling you, there is no pyramid. When the Bible said, John said, I saw a number that no man could number. He didn't say I seen a few people in high levels and all that. He said, no, I see a number that no man could number. He said this. He said, and they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Your testimony is important. Who you are is important. Men and women of God, God want to use you. You don't need titles to be used. You start right there where you're at. Don't be afraid to walk into the things that God called you to do. Walk Amen. into those places. Let him elevate you. Listen to what he's telling you. And, and you know it's God when it's something that you know you couldn't do it. That's when it's God. Because if you could do it, you would say, this is me. I can do this. I can do this with my eyes closed. No, when God tells you to do something, it's going to be something that you say, what did you just ask me to do? You're going to sound like Moses. You need to go back to Egypt. These people, listen, they got a hit out on me. They want to kill me. He always called you to do things that you could never do. It sounds impossible. But when he tells you to do it, he said, I am with you. I'm with you. You can do this. So I want everybody to know that God is with you, man of God, woman of God. God is with you. You can do this. He won't put more on you than what you can bear. He's leading and guiding you into some great things in your life. He has spoken things over your life. He's been wanting to move you into these places. Folks, God wants to use you. I don't get mad at false prophets and other prophets. I don't have time to waste being mad at them. What do we get mad at them for? They got to stand before God and give it a count of what they do. I got not mad at them. But what I do want to see that gets me upset is when I see people holding back other things, that God want to use them, that disturb me, y'all. 
Because that means you're bothering with God's agenda. And a lot of times, people don't want you to see. Don't you know people can see that you got greatness in you? There are people who will see that you got greatness in you. But then they start measuring themselves. They say, well, if you become great, where did that leave me at? I'm the cat meow and the dog bow wow. Oh, I can't let that happen. Let me muscle them with my title. Listen, move into the place that God is calling you to be at. I'm not talking about titles, y'all. When I say move into the place that God is calling you, spiritually, spiritually, because title don't mean nothing if you're not there spiritually. There are more people who are in a greater bracket spiritually than a title. You got, I, listen, man, I know boys who got nothing but titles. Next time I see them, they may have another title. Listen, it's not about the title. It's about where are you spiritually. You keep moving there. If God has opened a door for you and he's calling you to people who you've never seen before, they may be of another kindred, of another language. They may be sinners. You be the best light you can be around those people. You be an example to those people. You walk circumspectly before those people. When those people fall by the wayside that you're discipling them, you have the grace to encourage them and pick them up and bring them, and carry them if you have to at times. You be the builder for the people of God. Are you hearing me? You be the builder. Caller, are you there? We have the caller. The caller come back yet? Is the caller there? Caller, if you're there, please say something to us. Talk to us, caller. We want to hear what you got to say, caller. I don't know if the caller... I don't know if the caller, because um, the three callers, the two callers now are still unmuted. The other callers, they have not pushed star eight. So, caller, dial that number, 724-444-7444. There's a pin number you put in, which is 143906-POUND, and you push one pound to enter the show. But you have to push star eight to talk. Now, mind you. This is Sound City Radio, and we are about freedom of speech, freedom to grow, and freedom to learn and know. But all I ask you to do is just be real, be safe, and show enough, be ready. This is church. I mean, it's got mine. So that is the beauty of it. Find what God is calling you to do. And whatever you do, it, do it with everything that's in your being. But first, you pray. You get in your word. Get around people who are strong in God. Be around people who love people. Fellowship with people who love to be around the people of God, who knows how to build up God's people. You want to always make sure that you have a vision for people. And as you have a vision for people, you start moving in that direction where God is calling you at. I also want to remind everybody that we have our men's conference uh, this month starting on the 27th all the way into October the 1st. Uh, it's for men and women. Please come on out and support us. It's going to be at Deliverance Evangelist Church, 2001 West Lehigh, the 27th all the way up until October the 1st. So come on out. We're going to be our theme this year is moving into the overflow, the overflow. So pray for us and come on out and see what God is doing. Um, 
We want to build up God's kingdom. We're going to be going out to with the outreach. There's going to be a lot of things going on. That Saturday, we're going to go out and do some outreach. We want people to know about outreach is going to be going on. So, people of God, we love you. We love you. And uh, we, we're concerned about you, and we want to see what God is going to do in your life. I love it when I see people grow in God. I, lo- I get excited, man. I'm, I, uh, I ain't putting my foot on nobody. See, when you have people done that to you, you know what that feels like, so you don't get caught up into that. You try to point people into the right direction. Now, I don't want to be the man that looks in the mirror and forget what man or man I am. If you know when people did things to you, and then you get at the place that you can help other people, and then you do the same thing that was done to you, something wrong with you. You forgot how soon, how soon did you forget what was done to you? And now you're doing the same thing. Listen. Corporate anointing. The people of God is only going to grow when we move through corporate anointing. Are y'all hearing me? Amen. Corporate anointing is going to make the church move to the next level. If there is not a corporate anointing, we keep doing these pyramid things, we're going to be in trouble, y'all. People are going to keep dying by the wayside. People are going to continue to come to church and have an experience and go back home the same. It's going to have to take corporate anointing. Corporate anointing would change people's lives. But this pyramid thing with one person at the top and all the rest of y'all don't use y'all gifts, I'm going to tell you something. You look at it. Anytime you see that in the church, you're going to see a dry church. You're not going to grow. Nobody's going to join it because it's all about a pyramid. Now, people don't got smart now. They're very intelligent. They talk about using everybody, but they don't want so when you see a growth church grown with new converts, Ron said it right. When you see people leave from one church going to another church, that's not growth. Growth is when new converts is joining the church. You read the book of Acts. And the Lord added to the church daily. People was getting saved, y'all. People was hearing about the gospel. Why were these people getting saved? They were getting saved because the men and the women of God was excited about God. They showed love to the people. They reached out to the people. And, beloved, please understand this, that when God called you into ministry, all of us don't have the same ministry. So if God called you to deal with evangelism, don't get mad at somebody who might be able God called them to work on the inside of the church. Everybody got different callers. Everybody is a soul winner. Let me say that. No matter if you're working inside the church or not, you're supposed to be about winning souls, period. But it depends on wherever God is calling you at, be on fire for God. If he's calling you, this is what you can do. If you're seasoned in the word and you're a man and a woman of God, This is something you could do. You pray, get before God. Ask the Lord if he will have you go where a place where sinners is at. And start a Bible study among sinners. Start a Bible study among the sinners. I guarantee you people will come. I guarantee you they will come to it. The sinners. And start teaching them the word of God. You do it. You 
start a uh, Bible study. Find a place where you can go. And I don't care if it's a Dunkin' Donuts or wherever. Go there and sit down. Open your Bible at the Dunkin' Donuts, wherever God leads you at, sis. Open your Bible there. And I guarantee you other ladies will come there. And call it a tea thing. Ask a job. Say, listen, we want to have, when we take our 15-minute break, would y'all like to sit with me? We're going to do a verse of the day. Think of that. The Bible says he'll give you the mind and the witty invention. Have a verse for the day, 15-minute break. We're going to talk about this one verse out of Proverbs. Use the book of Proverbs. Use the book of Psalms. Give them some little nuggets. Let them get nibble off on those little verses and say, what do that verse mean to you? And tell them what that verse means and what it means to you. And ask them when they read that verse, explain to them what the verse is, and ask them what do they get out of it. What is what do you do you see yourself in this verse? It could be in Psalms, it could be in the book of Proverbs. Man, you'd be surprised how much people will grow from that Bible study. You at work and you started a Bible study. Now when you do the Bible study, ladies and gentlemen, don't turn around and talk about the people after he make me sick, he talked too much at that Bible study. Don't do that. Just do nice, be used wisdom, say maybe we can just let's be considered if you gotta say something, say it within one minute. Don't show partiality. Don't be you know what I mean? Be be friendly with the people. And I guarantee those people will grow from Proverbs. Eventually somebody might say, I wanna come to your church. And don't use the scripture and eat them up with it. But the Bible is a devil-edged sword. You can kill a person with truth. Use it in a way that you build them up. Let them know how important they are. Somebody might, you're going to know when you're making progress because somebody's going to attack that Bible study at the job. Don't you get mad at them. The devil's sending them. But that ain't your job to get mad. He got to do something. He ain't going to sit back and let you come in and take over his territory now. Somebody runs to the ball, so you keep trying to make everybody a Christian. He's trying to make everybody, I'm Muslim. I want to have an Islamic body too. So, listen, y'all, you're not in competition. You're just there to take a nugget from the book of Proverbs or Psalms and take one verse within that few moments and share it with the people. Be gentle, be sweet, be soft, be loving. If Somebody from another religion attack you, they can stand and walk up and down your back, cuff you out in front of everybody. That's not their test. It's your test. And everybody going to stand and say, did you hear what he, she just said to Sister Yo-Yo? Oh, I wonder what she's going to do about that. Smile and say, well, pray for me. God bless you. They, they watch him. Did you just hear what he just said to Ryan? Oh, let's see what Ryan's going to do now. <laughs> they watching you. They don't care what the devil, who the devil sent. They watching you. They gonna say, mm-hmm. talking about all that Bible. Them rolled up and slapped that man in his mouth. <laughs> right. That's true. So you got to understand that he gonna attack you. You want to say something, Ron? No, that's true. I agree. If you blow your top, you blow your witness. That's right. They watching you. They don't care what he did. They don't care what he did. He can do whatever he want to do. They watching you. Yep. At that time, you may not be up for the battle. The devil may be hitting you from all angles. And that one day, he sent one of his little amps. He said, now nah, I got him. Sit him in there. He's right to get into an argument. And he gets you into a heated up discussion. But remember this, y'all. 
greater is he that is in you, that's Amen. the Lord, than the devil that's in the world. If you do get into a heated up discussion, don't beat yourself up. God gives grace to the humble, but he resisted the proud. He still loves you. But what I want you to know is that God got a plan for your life. He wants to use you, and he loves you. So I encourage you, whatever God may put on your heart, it may be something different. Do what God is calling you to do. Walk in that. Do it. Because souls are tied in with it. That's why. And if you plan to do a Bible study, just live the life of son of God. Be on time for work. Do your job the right way. Don't cut corners and people say, mm-hmm. look at a Christian girl. She supposed to have been back here 10 minutes ago. She's still over there laughing and talking on the phone. They're watching you. They're watching you. I'm just pushing you out there. Listen, y'all. God got a call for your life. He want to use everybody. Everybody. Can you let him use you? Would you allow him to use you? Listen, y'all. Do what God has called you to do. Is anybody out there want to say something? Please push star eight and come on in and share with us anything you might want to say. If you have any questions, please say something. I just want to hear from you. Yes. Somebody want to say something? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. We hear you, Cooley. Okay, yeah. I had to test the day at work. Um, <laughs> you know, I do the trolley line, but I closed the door by mistake on someone, and I opened it back up, and then the guy just cut me to shreds. Like, didn't you see me? I was being nice letting people off. But I always pray before I start my shift because the things I want to say, I let the Lord fill my mouth and say the things out of it because <laughs> I wanted to cut him in shreds too, but I just said, I'm sorry. And I, I said, I, I mean, I didn't see you. And I said, I apologize for that. But if I was, what I wanted to say, I wanted to say something else. But I was like, ooh, I was just listening to the words come out. Like, thank you, Lord, for keeping me from – because people look at you, like you said, and they see me always uh, telling people to come to my church or accept Christ, and people accept Christ on there. So that's true. And that, and I'm I'm hoping that I continue to pass the test because I can feel things well enough inside of me, and I got to keep that under control. <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like you said, like that's the calling to minister out in the street. Because I used to, I mean, I was, I played football. I always was a defensive tackle, uh, offensive lineman, and I used to make the running backs look good and the linebackers look good. So mm. I don't, I know the work, the grind work, just like with Reverend Keys. Well, I call him Reverend Keys, but Deacon Keys, you know, he leads Soul Patrol, and we out there in the devil's territory, and we're not looking for glory, but we're looking for win- the winning of souls, and and the Lord does a mighty work, and and it's it's amazing what goes on, you know, what in that field that the Lord sets up who He wants out there, and and you and we have the same group of people who've been doing it since Keys started. He hasn't been there that long, but he's, you know, the Lord raised him up mighty, you know, in that uh, soul patrol as the leader, yes. director, and. 
you know, it's, it's just amazing just the work of the Lord. Even when, when you do his work, he takes care of you from where I came from because I was living in Jersey when I started, and I moved to Philadelphia, and the Lord blessed me. He took care of my business. So, Wow. And I and I enjoy doing the work of the Lord because it's just like you said, and I, just like that service yesterday when Pastor said he sees the wind of God was just there, and and we all gonna have our turn to leave, and He cares for all of us. And when we stand yeah. there, I just, even, I just always say let let every man be a liar, let God's word be true, that no man can take us out of His hand, and long as we stay there. And, and, and I'm not going anywhere. I get closer to the Lord when the things are crazy. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. And he, he's, he's going to keep us. No man can take us out of the Father's hand or Jesus' hand. So it's amazing what he tells us in his word. So I just hold that to be true, and nobody can tell me nothing, that the Bible is not true. They're not true. I said, I'll cut you up with the Bible. But you just said, don't cut nobody up because the truth is to kill somebody. I ain't trying to kill nobody. So. Amazing word today. I just enjoy it, you know, just hearing from and that corporate person awesome. real. That's what we need, anointing. Yes. And and man, when you listen, you guys are young men, man. Y'all got the strength of God in y'all. And the calling is real on y'all life. You can see it, man. I've always loved it when it's something new and strong that God is raising up. Yeah, I mean, I understand the NFL and the NBA. You know, when they see those young men who can play, they they say we project that he's going to be a star in our league. So they say he's a top pick, number one, the top ten. He's going to be in the top three. He's in a, so they see it already on the person. Listen, you can't hide purpose and destiny when it's on a man's life. You can't. And the same way we see it, the enemy sees it. Other people see it, but I refuse to be a man to stand in the way, and I see God got a strong call on a brother's life, and I see him coming. Oh, i got to block him. I don't want him to know. That, the call that's on that man life ain't got nothing to do with me. <laughs> ain't got nothing to do with me. That call is for the soul that he's going to reach, that mantle that God put on his life. I may be dead and gone. But I'm glad that I was a part of helping that brother get to where he got to go at. Because guess what? All the souls that he's going to witness to, all the people that he will benefit in his lifetime, I will get a part of that reward. Man, ain't nothing slow about me. But you let me get in his way and try to block him. All the people that he could have witnessed to, and because I held him back, I'm going to be held accountable for what I did to that man's life. I ain't doing that. Mm-mm. If God raising him up, I don't care where he's been at and what he's done. I ain't going to say nothing about it. God raising him up. Let God use it. I'm not going to get in his way and block him. I smile. When I see young warriors coming and God using them, I say, yeah, devil. Yeah, we got some more you're going to have to deal with. <laughs> God is good, man. I um, won the title yesterday at the prison that I wanted to deal with was the father laying his hand on his son, which was Isaac when he gave Jacob the impartation of the birthright. Brothers, please remember the birthright is something special, man. It's a beautiful thing because it was passed down through your father. And when he lay his hand on you, 
he will pray over you and give you the birthright, and he will impart it over you. And when you got that birthright, man, let me tell you something. Listen, Jacob got that birthright, and he went running from his brother Esau. He had encounters with angels. He saw the ladder going up and coming down the steps, going up and down, the angels going up and bringing down gifts to him, going up and bringing down gifts to him. Man, it's, it's awesome, man. Come on. I'm telling you, it's an awesome thing. The angels is constantly coming down and giving him gifts and moving. And it was an impartation of something that came from your dad. He laid his hand on you and he prayed over you. You know what I'm saying? God give him the view of heaven, make nations bow down before him. Man, you go back and read Genesis about that impartation. But I want you to put yourself in that place. Put your name in there. Know that it's you because Jesus is your older brother. He's imparting to you the thing that you got to do on this earth. And, man, it's a lot of stuff that God put into you. He puts a lot into you because he expects great things out of you. This is why you ever notice something about the men that had the three talents, the one that had ten cities, the one that had five cities, and the one that had one? He was upset with the one that had one city. Notice this, that God wants us to be productive in the earth, not just in things, but in standards. He really wants to use you in a special way because your life is so important to him. Because your life, brothers and sisters, is connected to other people's lives. This is why when a man walks into ministry, it's just not about him. It's about the millions of people. And yes, I said it right. You heard it right. The millions of people that he will reach in a lifetime. What social media has done is ridiculous, y'all. People may hear you teach. People may see you preach all over the world. You don't need to be in a pool pit any longer to make an impact. Like folks, like you each other over the pool pit. But listen, <laughs> with social media... Baby, it's all like popcorn. Everybody got a platform. <clears throat> and I hear the Lord saying, whosoever will, let him come. And when you look at the people that Jesus chose, he chose all the next people, y'all. I'm not kidding you, man. God is at his best mode when he used ordinary men, man. Ordinary men, but men got eyes to see they got ears to hear what God is saying. And when God raised up a man to do something, good. Oh. Nobody get upset but the devil. The devil is nervous. The devil is like, why would he choose that man? I know that man is going to do damage to me. There's only one race, y'all, the human race. And if you don't want to do the devil's job, you know what the devil's job is? It's to keep your mouth silent, to stop you from going out. When Cooley and them go out on Friday night, man, man, that's awesome. I did that a few times with the Soul Patrol when I didn't have to work. I work on Friday night. But let me tell you, so don't you think for one second, if I wasn't working on Friday night, you know where I would be at? With Soul Patrol out there. <laughs> it's exciting to me, man. I mean, we at nighttime telling people about Jesus. Man, you talking about, man. I get excited thinking about that. 
boys go out there and witness the people at nighttime, y'all. Friday night, telling people about Jesus. God got warrior all over the place. I'm telling you now, we building up those gates. Brothers, I encourage you, Kumi, keep doing what you're doing, man of God. And God bless you and your wife. His wife is a stunning, powerful woman of God. They put her up in the Bible study and had her to share the word. Man, that girl preach. And I'm sitting there and I see the future. I said, that's another one. God got some work for her. Oh, my God, man. Renowned family that God is raising up in our church, man. And it's, it's just awesome to see it, man, because the seed is still birthing ministry in the hearts of people of God. And I'm going to tell you something. Y'all do what God called y'all to do, man. Y'all stay on fire for God. They got a baby that's coming soon. That baby is going to be blessed. That baby's going to know the word of God. Coming and going, man. Amen. Uh, I got Amen. a godson uh, that's out there. My godson knows the whole books of the Bible. He's still little, y'all. I don't think he's 10 years old. He knows the whole from Genesis to Revelation. His grandmother taught him the Bible. I'm telling you, Brother Brian Wells and his wife, Rachel Wells, listen, their son is my godson. That boy know the whole Bible. He was saying each book, nothing scares the devil more than little kids knowing about God. He's scared. He's scared. When he, he don't never want us. He want us to get caught up in stupid stuff. He don't want us to learn that word and teach it to our kids. The Jews would teach those kids the laws of Moses and that Bible, the Torah, while they little. By the time they're 12 years old, they celebrate them as a man. A man. 12 years old. I'm sorry, 13. We're going to celebrate them as a man at the age of 13. A man. Listen, y'all, we're still calling our kids a boy. 13, he's a man. They don't taught him everything he needs to learn about his genealogy the history of his race, who God was. Now they celebrate he's a man at the age of 13. This is where my time goes at, y'all. I like building. It's all about building. People want titles, they can be in charge of the, the moon and the stars, as far as I'm concerned. Just give me some people I can talk about God with. I'll be satisfied. See, I love talking about God, man. Oh, I love it. Anybody else want to say anything, please put star eight. Come on in if you want to share something, a testimony, or what you think about the storm, or what you think is happening right now. Again, I want to remind everybody to please keep these people in prayer in Houston, in Miami, Atlanta, and the Carolinas, because they're getting hit with a storm. Remember, God's people all over, keep our pastors up in your prayers. Please, please. Keep all of our pastors up in your prayers. They 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 do a lot, y'all. And what's pressing to a pastor is when one of their good members go home to be with the Lord, we want to remember our pastors because they have a hard job. They have to cultivate people. Some want to move and come go forth. Some don't want to. Um, and so when it's a good, good church member go home to be with the Lord, it hurts. It hurts because they was helping the body of Christ 
they was helping the ministry move into that direction and they go home to be with the Lord. Because it makes the job easier for pastors when we have church members who obey and listen. All of us got different ministry, y'all. We all need to be busy help building the kingdom of God. Um, the kingdom of God is very important. And like I say, while people are talking about you, you keep building. Be like Nehemiah. You let Sam Ballot do what Sam Ballot do. Yeah. Sam Ballot got to... <laughs> yes, sir. Sam Ballot do what Sam Ballot do. They tear you down. You keep on building. Yeah. God gave you orders from the king. You got a mandate. Yeah. And the thing that I love about God, he always sent, I don't know about you, but God would send people to me that I never saw in my life who was a prophet. And they would tell me, and give me confirmation of what God is telling them to say to me. Never saw them again afterwards. Never saw them. God knows who you are. Don't you let people tell you who you are or what they think you are. People put all kind of things on you. They'll tell you you're doing all kind of wicked stuff, and you just look at them and shake your head. And when you're about a good work, the devil's going to get funky on you. The first thing I say, when people come and tell me something that I know I ain't got nothing to do with that, I said, man, this person do not have discernment. They don't. It's like you, you better make sure God talking to you before you go and assume somebody doing something. Come up to people and accuse them of doing something they ain't doing. They're looking at you like you crazy. You just told them, I don't have discernment, so I'm assuming you did this X, Y, and Z. Let's be crazy, man. I love and you know, yes, sir. Go ahead, Ryan. I was about to say most of that stems out of out of competition. One of the scriptures talk about us. They measure themselves by themselves, according to themselves. People measure each other. A lot of times in church, if I can find some things on you, or if I can keep you in the shackles of your past, then I can feel good about myself. You know what I mean? Well, brother Kevin did this and he did that. So that makes him worse than me. So that makes me better than him. It's all the devil is cunning. He's real crafty. You know what I mean? He's the accuser of the brethren. So what he does is he uses our past. That's what he uses to get us divided. And that's what he wants to do. Jesus Christ said, a house divided against itself shall not stand. And so that kind of stuff, when you're constantly trying to find stuff on people or you know things about people, you know, and you keep bringing that before the, their their face, you know, old stuff. They're trying to hold you in the shackles. Two things the devil wants to do. He wants to hold you in the shackles of your past, and he creates competition among saints about who's better and who's holy and who didn't mess up the, this, who did this and who didn't do this and who didn't that. Well, they did this and they did that. It's just a constant cycle of, of, of nonsense that goes on while the world isn't being saved. And all of us, remember, remember Paul told the Corinthians, remember your calling, brethren, not many mo- mo- noble, not many mighty. You know what I mean? He called the weak things of the world to confound the strong. He called yes, the low things of the world, those that are base, despise things of the world, to confound those of the things that are high. So all of us come from nowhere. And so now that now that I'm walking with the Lord and now that I'm strong in the Lord, and, and and the presence of God is evident in my life. Now I want to forget 
excuse me, I want to forget what God brought me from. And so now I'm looking at you as if I'm better than you. And it, it's not so because God picked me out of the trash just like he picked you out of the trash. Yeah, when you say that, I like that, how when God, he, he says, don't think of yourself more highly than you are. That's right. Exactly. He pities us like a father pities a child. Amen. He knows our frame, and he knows that we are dust. Ah, man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we can't think of ourselves as nothing because we mm-hmm. dust. And we take take this dust, and we move in the work of the Lord and, and, and just admire what else whoever else God has, just like he said earlier when uh, Isaiah said, no, I forgot who it was. He said, um, I feel like I'm by myself. And God said, Elijah. 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 Yeah, that's right, Elijah. I always get that that mixed up. Elijah said, I feel like I'm the only one. And God said, I have 7,000 who have to bow their knee to bell. So God's saying, I'm working. Like, I'm working. I'm using you. You're one of the tools. we're not God. We're just his his, his uh, servants and also his children, his uh, conquerors, and we're more than that. So we just look at it and admire his work, and that's what we do in this world because in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be out of here. <laughs> I look at the graveyard every day and say, wow, these people didn't even know you that, go. that they were you they go. thought they were going to live forever. You there and you look, go. Yeah, it's a point of man wants to die, wants that death. Yep. So. Yep. Man, that, hey, brothers, I tell you the truth, man. When you think about that, man, it, the, the beauty of it all is living a life that God want to ask you to do something for him and to feel the breath of God over your life and know that when you're doing this, you're helping people. Man, my greatest joy is in helping people. Listen, ministry is huge, y'all. Some of us are called to cook for people, to feed the people, to pray for people, to cultivate people, to disciple. Everybody got different callings. You can't say, well, I give people food. So by you talking to people, your ministry ain't doing nothing. You just talking. At least I'm doing the whole body is important, y'all. We all need one another. Because you may be feeding a portion of people, I may be siphoning another portion of people. It's an organization. organization. Man, the more we see how important everybody is. Well, I'm faithful to church. Every time the church door opens, bless God, high name, I'm in the church. Well, you need to get out of the church. Go somewhere and get, listen, the church is the place that we worship at, y'all. Thank God for the church. We worship in the church. But then we want to go somewhere where we can, where the center man is at. What good is a candle if it's in a bright place? You can't affect them and you don't even, you don't even notice it's in there. Because there's so many candles in there. <laughs> But candle is at its full effect when it's gone and it's taken to a dark, dark part. Now that candle is of a great value. God wants us to be a light in a darkness. Let me say that again. He calls us to be a light in a dark world. While people are fighting each other, 
for titles and position in the church, you go somewhere and become a light in a dark place, y'all. That's what God wants you to do. Go where the darkness is at and go get some gems, get some diamonds, some emeralds, some jaspers. Go get those gems in the dark place and bring them to the light. God want to save them and use them the same way he uses us. And I found that they make the best disciples. Those people who's in a big mess, they make the best disciples. Go somewhere where nobody pats you on the back and recognize what you're doing. It's better when the church thinks you ain't doing nothing, you barely at church, and you winning souls left and right. It's better that way than for you to be sitting up there showing all 32 of your teeth in front of the pastor's face all the time, grinning, just being a cheerleader, but you ain't going out. Listen, go out. Go where those people are at. Everybody, it's ministry all around us. When we at work, it's a ministry. When you go to the market, that's a ministry. When you stop at that gas station to say hello to somebody, that's a ministry. Everywhere you go, it's all over. So it's not really a form, but every now and then God may give you something on your heart that he lay on your heart to do, like go hang around the elders. Go to the older folks' home. Go talk to them. Go find a youth or young ladies or young men. Try to mentor them while they're still young. I mean, it's so many things you can do. Your availability is important to God. And the time that you spend with God alone is very important because he likes to talk to you. When you read Proverbs or whatever book God may have you in, and he put that knowledge in you, you use that skill to disciple someone else. Because God cares about people. I tell you, people is ministry, and ministry is people. Don't ever let nobody tell you they do ministry, but they don't like people. Something wrong with them. Or they just like they, they're the few people they like to be around and nobody else. Something is wrong with that, y'all. You should love all of God's people because you never know the person that you walking by may be the one that God raised up with an incredible supernatural gift of healing to heal people because people don't know who they are. They don't. They they think mom and dad sent me to college, go get a degree, or I work when I get older and get a job and retire. They have no clue they were supposed to have the work of the miracles that God wanted them to have for the body of Christ. Do you guys understand how important it is to know these things? It is so important, man. And so, again, God is not a respectable person, but he is a respectable a principle. So at this time, we want to turn it over. Anybody got anything to say? If you do, just put star eight. If you want to call in, please talk with us. Let us hear from you. We're here. Um, let Kev know that we miss him, man. Tell my buddy. I know he's doing some re-renovating work on the house, he told me, but he's going to be back. So we miss him also. And uh, we want you to call in, callers. Anybody that's out there, please call in. We love you. We, we want to hear what you got to say. You got a word to speak. Men of God, women of God, move into the things that God wants you to do. You can do it. You can do it. He needs you. There will never be another one of you. So while you're here, there are things you might even be praying for God to do in your life. But as you take care of God's business, he's going to take care of yours. 
I guarantee you he will. So, Will, are you there, Dr. Will? Talk to me, Dr. Will. What'd you say, sir? Yeah, I'm right here, right here. Boy, for a minute, I thought I wasn't there. Great. Hey, what a show, man. I ain't going to lie, man. I was listening to everybody like, wow. Information. Oh, somebody got a chance to receive it. But, um, people, this is church, and I'm one true friend, better on his will of God. And I thank everybody for actually taking time out of their time to listen to church. Mr. Calvin Myers then did it again. <laughs> you already heard the topic. But every Monday we do this because of the fact that I always say some people I miss church on Sunday. So I do it on Monday. And I try not to label anybody because each and every one of y'all has something to say. You might say something and a pastor might use it as a sermon the following week. Who knows? If God can make a donkey talk, what do you think? You know what? Anyway, <laughs> people, if you have any questions, comments, or even any concerns, you may email me at DJ underscore chill at my.com. That's DJ underscore chill at my.com. This is church. And this is just the beginning, y'all. I don't know what y'all looking at or even seeing, but there's something coming. And if y'all wake up, y'all might not be able to see it. Because it's too late. So I got a couple songs that we just lay out with y'all so y'all can be encouraged. Because sometimes you might need that music. Sometimes that savage beast. You already know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all got the beast all up in you. You just don't want nobody to know it yet. <laughs> you know, I ain't going to lie about you. That's on TalkShoe.com, OnPoint underscore radio. Mr. OnPoint himself is going at it again. Now, that shows at 9 o'clock p.m. Pin number is 143133-POUND. The conversation he's going to be talking about tonight is... Mm-mm-mm. How can I say this? <laughs> Living up to his name. He'll be going in on 9-11. Let's not forget the sacrifices 
and the people that sacrificed life and lost through the capitalistic government. Yet let us, let us not forget there's three sides to a story. They have their side, then they have the other side, and then you have the truth. He lies somewhere inside, but they don't allow them to play on your emotions or don't allow them to play on your emotions. And the emotions are intelligent. Well, no, how about fear? <laughs> because without intelligence, you might live in fear. So ask yourself one question. Why? Didn't it happen on nine ten? Or why didn't it happen on nine twelve? So basically you're trying to say educate yourself, people, because I believe he's trying to go in and say that numbers numbers are definitely a reason for everything. Seems like everything's like a numerical order. So Tune in tonight on All Point Radio, Mr. All Point. Pin number 143133 pound. You got to push one pound into the show and start to talk. Nine o'clock tonight. Wow. What about 911? People, I don't know if you had any love that the loss of 9 11. We definitely will be praying for you because it's been a lot of years that went by. And now we got to watch this stuff because we got another person that's trying to do something crazy. And it's not really the individual that's doing it because it's happening all over the world, it's that spirit. You can label the individual, but if that individual gets delivered, will he be that individual anymore? Ooh, good question. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I go a little bit deep sometimes. Because there's a spirit out there. That thing is boom. So we got to make sure we don't go my way. I'm going to give you something to talk about. How about this? Make up. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Follow me. All my days. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. You're not mad at me. No, you're not mad at me. You're 
Forget about butterflies, fire, and ice tomorrow, 5 o'clock. We'll miss firecracker. Pin number is 143-923-POW. She always comes with something. And this is going to be our second time ever being a radio host. And again, don't forget about tonight, Mr. On Point and On Point Radio. 9 p.m., pin number 143-133-POUND. And everybody know, when I say out, obviously, you know, I just try to explain it to you that out to me means obviously you talk. So I always put a twist on it, people, and I say, who's out? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.